Coming up on part two of this series, the conversation with Liza Patterson and Dr. Wendy Balliot transitions to post-cancer PTSD and what tools and resources are available for patients. You know, there's a reason we often talk to patients about you know having a lot of tools in your toolbox um, because depending on what you're going through at any given moment, you may pull out a, a wrench or you may pull out a hammer. Um, so I think having a lot of strategies to help manage mood and stress, anxiety is is critical. Now, back to the chat. And now, Liza, I think um, you sought out a trauma expert. Why did you choose to do that? Yes, yeah, so um, my mom was a, a therapist also, and she explained to me that the symptoms that I was having were of PTSD. And we decided to look for somebody who specialized in post-traumatic stress disorder, um, not necessarily related to cancer because that's also um, difficult to find. Um, but I found a woman who was working with trauma and I found it very helpful. She taught me how to speak to my trauma and my fear and how to use my rational thoughts versus my irrational thoughts and um, explain to my irrational thoughts what the rational ones actually were and what the actual outcome could be of a situation which usually wasn't as negative or scary as I made it, such as uh, my biggest fear was riding in a car um, or driving a car really, ma mainly riding in one because I didn't have control um, that I could just you know, be hit and killed in a, an instant, which is a, a fact that is that can happen. But the likelihood of, of it happening anytime I get in my car is very low. And she would talk me through that and tell me how to talk to my fear. That was very helpful um, for reducing the fears and allowing me to actually function in everyday life and ride in cars and walk down the street on a sidewalk next to a road. Um, so that was, she, she did a really good job with teaching me coping mechanisms. I'm just curious, Liza, did you have those fears before your cancer diagnosis? No, I, I was actually pretty reckless as a person <laughs> before my cancer diagnosis. Um, I, I drove like a, like a speed demon. Um, I would get on airplanes. I didn't care. Um, I I did a lot of things that that were probably considered reckless, um, and I never thought twice about it. And after uh, my treatment and being declared in remission, I was really afraid of anything that could possibly result in harm or death. Or, yeah. Yeah. Just thinking that you know. Cancer, being diagnosed with cancer and going through the cancer journey really is a trauma. I mean, it shakes your belief in a just world, your belief that you're safe. Um, mm -hmm. And I can see how that then translates to other aspects of your of your life, you know, riding in a car, yes. walking on a sidewalk. Um, yes, I felt very unsafe in everyday life because my diagnosis came out of nowhere. Why couldn't something else come out of nowhere? Yep. And the, we, we do know that especially young adults and uh, adolescents especially um, report up to 
50% 50 of these populations do report post-traumatic stress symptoms. Wow, that's amazing. I don't think most people know that. Why do people not talk about this more? I think, unfortunately, there's a huge stigma that still exists when it comes to mental health. And um, people, if you think about kind of society as a whole, we want to appear happy and joyful and talking about the uncomfortable emotions um, make other people uncomfortable. So, Liza, I just want to say thank you because I know this is a really hard topic to talk about and um, it's great that you're opening up. Why have you chosen to be so open about your struggles and feelings of guilt and, and share that with others? I think it's really important for others to know that they're not alone and to feel like somebody that was seemingly young and healthy also struggles from these things and to be able to reach out when they need help because if you don't get help you, you're never going to live your life to its fullest potential and that's we only have one life to live and it's really important to live it the way you need to and want to and it's just mental health is not something anybody should be ashamed of it's how we are able to enjoy our life when we have good mental health um I I just, I think that it's not talked about enough and I I want it to be talked about all the time. (laughs) I agree. Um, You know, Dr. Bailey, do you see us making progress in this field? I mean, what do you see for the future as far as maybe helping cancer patients be better prepared for the emotional journey, the psychological journey they're about to embark on? Yeah, I was talking a little bit with Liza before we went on about, about this and I think in an odd way, the pandemic maybe has shifted how people are thinking about mental health. There's been a lot um, in the in the media around the importance of reaching out for help. There's been a lot of coverage with um, you know young children, adolescents, and and suicide and during the this last year. And so I hope we can kind of extrapolate from that to chronic health problems like a cancer diagnosis and allow people to feel comfortable reaching out when when they need help. I mean, think about it, right? If I were to break my arm, I'm not going to tell myself, "Well, just don't think about it. Like it'll get it'll heal on its own. You'll be you'll be fine." I'm going to probably go to an ER and get an x-rayed, have an assessment, have a treatment plan um work on healing it. I don't know how different mental health is from that. There are a lot of tools out there. Um, Just to do a little deeper dive into the tools, I know there's therapy, but obviously there's other tools. There's resources online. You mentioned telehealth. Um, What are some tools you'd recommend? There's a reason we often talk to patients about, you know, having a lot of tools in your toolbox, um, because depending on what uh, you're you're going through at any given moment. You may pull out a, a wrench or you may pull out a hammer. Um, so I think having a lot of strategies to help manage mood and stress, anxiety is is critical. So obviously, I usually start with basics. So making sure you're getting enough sleep, um, that you're eating a healthy diet, 
moving your body, um, making sure that you're not imbibing too much on alcohol, sweets, things like that. Um, other, other strategies would include definitely exercising, you know, getting some cardiovascular work if, if you're able to really can, can make a difference in kind of producing those natural endorphins and feel-good hormones, um, getting some vitamin D. You know, we've been looking for this sun, and it's finally here, and th- you see everybody outside, and they're, they're out there for a reason, right? So kind of keeping that in mind too and and really being kind to yourself so taking some time to write down your thoughts um i think i think liza did a a great job kind of explaining rational and irrational thinking so sometimes if you take 30 minutes and journal what your thoughts are and what you're feeling you might be able to take a different perspective and you might be able to look at those thoughts and and feelings in a in a different way. Um, so journaling is often one thing I'll recommend as well as um, practicing gratitude. And I want to be really clear that practicing gratitude doesn't mean that life isn't still hard. You can have both. You know, life can be hard and you can be grateful. Um, so taking some time to each day to kind of pick out a few things that you're that you're grateful for. Um, and I'm a, you know, I'm a convert when it comes to meditation. I uh, used to always recommend this, and I'll be honest, I never actually did it until about a, a year or so ago. Um, and it really, I mean, it's a, it's a game changer. So if you're able to have um, any kind of guided meditation apps like Calm or um, Insight Timer, uh, I can't think of some other ones off the top of my head. Um, but that's really powerful to just take 10 minutes to yourself, listening to a guided meditation and kind of recharging your batteries so you can face whatever the rest of the day is going to throw your way. So Liza, any of these tools in your toolbox? Oh, absolutely. Um, I use exercise almost daily to calm myself and to put myself in the right state of mind and to, uh, get that rush of endorphins. Um, I also, I, you know, I've tried meditation. I need to get back into it because when I was doing it often, it worked very well. And it was, it was, especially when I was dealing with the extreme, um, trauma and irrational thoughts, I, I use meditation a lot. So yes, I, I would say, um, a lot of those tools, uh, and, uh, being grateful, uh, thinking about the things in my day that I'm grateful for, even if they're small things, like my daughter ate her lunch. (laughs) Yay. So grateful for that. Um, I'm grateful for my home, for my family. Um, Even when I'm having, like, especially when I'm having a bad day, I like to think about the things in that day that I was still grateful for. So, yeah. Yeah, sometimes it's the small things they do work. Um, And I I know every cancer patient's journey obviously is unique. Um, For you, though, Liza, do you feel like you'll ever be able to move on from your cancer diagnosis? I mean, where do you go from here? So my biggest struggle since being diagnosed was definitely with guilt uh, and feeling like I wasn't there for the people that needed me when they needed me the most, specifically my daughter and my husband. Um, since then I've really worked on that, turning that into compassion 
and uh, being able to be there for other people, for everybody and anybody um, when I'm when I'm able to um, and taking the time that I have in this moment now that I'm healthy to be compassionate, to move forward, uh, to let go of that guilt. And it, to be honest, I don't know if I'll ever move on from my journey. I think I'm always learning from it. I'm always learning something new about an experience that I had in the past and why I dealt with it uh, the way that I did and how to change the way that I deal with experiences in the future or just improve the way that I deal with experiences. Um, so so I don't think I'll ever move on, but I don't really want to. I, I want to use it for good. I want to have had this experience for a reason and I want to... Um, do something with it for that will benefit others and myself in a positive way. What a nice way to frame it, Liza. Um, Dr. Bailey, do you find this is a common reaction as far as finding meaning from the journey? Yeah, there's a whole um, breadth of literature on what's called post-traumatic growth. So when your your life kind of shifts after a trauma um and it's never going to be the same. I mean, you're not going to be the same person you were before cancer. And you you can still do things that are meaningful and purposeful that align maybe differently with your values than it, it, it did before your cancer diagnosis. Um, and that's exactly what Liza is kind of describing is this um, wealth of what we would call post-traumatic growth from a really difficult experience. You never wish it on anyone. Um, so to be clear, kind of not, well, good, now you have this outlook since you've been through cancer. Nobody wants to get cancer. Um, and there's still a way to come out on the other the other side um, with maybe a more meaningful life than you would have otherwise. Absolutely. Any key takeaway either of you would like to share, um, something you'd really like the lay public to know? I think for me as a psychologist, I've said this a lot over the last year especially, but be kind to yourself. Being a cancer survivor doesn't mean your journey with cancer has ended, as many around you might might assume. So enduring what you have endured as a cancer survivor likely has changed you physically, mentally, and emotionally. And acknowledging these changes and addressing them are going to help you cope better with the difficult emotions and live life in a more meaningful and present focused way. So be kind to yourself. Talk to yourself like you would talk to your best friend. I, I really like that being kind to yourself. And I would also say you need to advocate for yourself. Always, uh, if you're struggling, reach out, tell somebody, somebody else can help you get the help. Um, and if, if you still feel like everything you've been trying to do isn't helping, try something else. Something will help eventually. I tried so many things and I thought none of them were helping. Nothing's going to help, but I got better. And it was just through trying everything. And eventually I found that really what helped was trying everything. <laughs> right. And that tr And keep trying. Yes, that translates to therapists too. So if you are able to get in and, and, and see a therapist, you know, my belief is the relationship, the rapport between a patient and 
a therapist is what makes or breaks the the treatment. So it's okay to switch therapists too. You know, as you say, Liza, try everything. It's okay if you give it a, a few weeks and it's not a good fit to to ask for another referral. We are used to that. Our feelings will not be hurt. I think 99.9% or 100% of us want people to get better, whatever that takes. Uh, one other thing I wanted to touch on, Dr. Valley, what psychological resources are available to our patients here at Hollings? So there's a variety of resources available. We have a psycho-oncology group um, at, at Hollings Cancer Center that's comprised of several licensed clinical psychologists and interns and residents. So there are a lot of opportunities for individual treatment, um, couples therapy, family therapy. Sometimes we'll meet with you know, young adolescents, if their parents or grandparents are going through cancer to help them learn how to cope with such a big, such a big change. So there, there really are some um, resources out there. So if, if people are struggling, please talk to your primary oncologist and um, say you'd like to see a behavioral medicine or, or psychologist at, at Hollings and they should be able to make that happen. I just want to thank you both again for sharing this. I know it's invaluable information for a lot of people. Yeah, thank you for the opportunity. Thanks so much for having me. And thank you, Liza, for sharing your story. This is its just amazing, and I think it will touch and reach a lot of people and, and normalize what, what other people are going through so they don't feel so alone, you know, giving giving yeah. others hope. Yeah, I just, I just hope that sharing can find somebody that was looking for this and said, oh, I really, I really needed to hear this. So thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Cancer Chat. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and visit us online at www.hollingscancercenter.musc.edu. And remember, here at the Hollings Cancer Center, we're finding tomorrow's cure for cancer today.